This is Adam. Oh, I'm introing the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. This is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast, and my name is Adam. And I'm Lupizza. And on the Cold Pizza Party Podcast, we talk about um, TV, politics, culture. Our politics are left-wing, and our taste is kind of trashy. Yeah. And we live in Texas, so today we're talking about Harvey. Um, We don't live in Houston, but we live near enough to it that, like... We had to deal with some residual rainstorms and uh, had some worry that it was coming our way yeah. for a while. We had flash flood warnings and tornado warnings. Yeah, and there and... was some yeah flooding here. Yeah. And yeah, the tornado stuff was scary. Um, yeah. And your, your parents live um, so even closer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, so they're at our house. They're yeah, safe. They're refugees. Yeah, call them climate refugees. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, is sort of a joke, but also not at all, because, like, I don't know what they would have done. I mean, I guess they'd have to go to a hotel or something if, you know, yeah. we weren't close by. Yeah, where they live, there's been, like, you know, historic flooding. It's basically been impossible to go back because so many of the roadways between here and there are closed. Yeah. That's part of why we thought we should, you know, spend this episode talking about Harvey, even though, as I think we said on last episode, too, we usually try not to be super topical, but we've had, I guess, two pretty disastrous topics to talk about that are unavoidable in Mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks. Disastrous. Also, sorry we didn't come out last weekend. It was just a lot, or last week or whatever. Busy week, and also this Harvey stuff. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, we tried to come out pretty regularly, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. This is a free podcast. We're not asking you for money. So, (laughs) you know, just understand that sometimes we get caught up in our lives or get Mm -hmm. busy or whatever. Okay, I guess some facts on Harvey are um, that I saw this like in a tweet, but it was like from a legitimate source. So I'm pretty sure it's true. I think it was like a reporter or something. Uh, is that 52 plus inches of rain have fallen or fell in three days in Harvey and Seattle had its rainiest year on record this year, which obviously we all think of Seattle as a very rain, rainy place. So its rainiest year was 48 inches over a year. Yeah. <laughs> and this was 52 inches in three days. Yeah. So that's kind of just to give you a sense of what, why... It was, like, so disastrous and unprecedented and why so many people's, you know, lives were destroyed in a matter of days. Like, I think sometimes it can be kind of hard to really envision what it means that there was, you know, a category for a hurricane or a big storm that came. You know, we've been watching the local news station, so we were getting a lot of, you know, visual ideas of it, but I think numbers like that also put it in perspective yeah i heard that uh katrina relief was around one billion dollars all together and they're saying that it's going to cost way more than that for houston um partially because houston is such a sprawling city right it's um so widespread that it's like really difficult to kind of contain and deal with the situation and just also the number of homes and lives that are affected as a result of that are huge it is like the fourth largest city in the u.s so so those are my facts okay can we talk about storm what about those uh facts about refugees that i was telling you that was pretty cool 
Should know. we talk about that? That was uh, I don't I didn't I don't have the exact facts, but let's talk about it anyway. <laughs> so completely on it's on well it's technically unsourced because I don't know where I read it, somewhere on Twitter. Uh, Houston takes in so many refugees that uh, Texas, I think, takes more refugees than any other state. And um, like if you're a refugee in Texas, odds are very high that you'll be in Houston. Yeah, something like one in four, one in ten. I forget. Those are very different odds, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe it was like one in ten come to Texas and one out of every four of those come to Houston or something. The statistic I remember... I think that's right, actually. ...is that if Houston were a country, it'd be like in the top five countries that accept refugees. Yeah. That's how many come to Houston. Yeah. Um, Houston is a really cool city. I think a lot of people don't realize that. I think people probably just assume it's just like Dallas, like white, oil money... Which it is. Suburban. It has that for sure. It has that, but it's super it has diverse. It very fancy neighborhoods. It's... Like Montrose is very, very fancy and cool. And there's lots of cool modern houses by the museums. That's where I want to live right. in Houston. <laughs> or in the flats. or I don't know what they call it. I where... just want to live in one of those modern houses that looks like your like, front window is like a display for a department store. Yeah. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I want to live in a more rundown building by our favorite bar, Moon Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, I don't know what they call that area. It's probably like I think it's, X Ward, you know? Yeah, I think Some it's like 3rd or 4th yeah. Ward. Yeah. It's, but it's uh, down by the tracks, and it's extremely low-lying, so it's probably all flooded. I know. I sadly. Know. But uh, that's where I want to live anyway. Yeah. Well, but, this was, that was like, the those, that's like my mansion dream house not like an affordable or somewhat (laughs) seemingly affordable apartment i don't know whether it's affordable or not even if we had money i don't think i could stand to live in like a really sanitized place well it doesn't have to be sanitized it can look like whatever you want on the inside i I just like big windows that's what it is i just want (laughs) big windows unfettered you know i don't want all the little accoutrements around Mm -hmm. them houston what about those crazy like uh like Houston is really sprawling. I'm not trying to say it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. But you'll like it doesn't have it has a downtown, it has a city center, but basically nothing's there. And yeah, it's mostly there like financial besides, buildings. Besides yeah. But yeah, I wanted to mention the diversity. Like I think a lot of people I'm sure realize that there are a lot of, you know, um Latino from all kinds of different, you know, mm-hmm. uh communities in, in the Houston area. But there's also like a huge like pan I'm just gonna say pan Asian community because mm-hmm, yeah. there's so many different countries yeah. that that um, they call it Chinatown, but I don't think that's like really accurate. Yeah. Like, obviously, I think if there's like a plurality, you know, like the largest plurality of people would probably be Vietnamese, especially if you combine like count that with Laotian, yeah. which you shouldn't because there's yeah. like some I forget what the um, ethnicities are. I mean, are, think but... about how many just Hong Kong restaurants there are. Hong Kong's Dim tiny. Sum. No, but I mean, but it'll be like, Cantonese. like Hong Kong cafe, HK, whatever. Yeah. Like when we were like getting ready to go to Hong Kong, we went to Houston and like went to little places yeah. that were specifically Hong Kong based, and we had like a wide variety to choose from. Yeah. So we could kind of figure out like some of the foods we yeah, like, yeah. so we'd learn how to save them, so we knew what we were doing when we went. If you are in Houston after this clears up, you got to go to the that grocery store. H Mart. H Mart's great. Oh, the other one. Oh shoot, I forget what it's called. But now. it's by like the core of you if know, you Chinatown. search for Hong Kong Cafe. It's yeah, it's in the near same plaza. Hong Kong Cafe, and this 
we went to this grocery store and we didn't even realize until, you know, later when we were on vacation in Hong Kong, but like there's this awesome lady there that makes all the like breakfast pastries, pastries that yeah. you get in Hong Kong. Yeah. It's, it was but some awesome. of them are better than the ones we had. There. Yeah. It was kind of cool because we like went to Hong Kong and we had like obviously an incredible time. And usually one of the things is like, oh, I'm going to miss eating this food. But we have like yeah. such awesome hong kong you know restaurants in houston that it's like okay we can always go yeah. get some incredible dim sum or char siu you know like mm-hmm. whatever you want really um so yeah breakfast pastries that are incredible yeah. um but that's uh again like Vietnam, well vietnamese people there you know that's taking in refugees yeah houston has a history of like totally taking in you know communities yeah. that are having issues i guess yeah yeah, so, I mean, there's, it's it's a really incredible city. Not that you yeah. need any reason, like, not that anyone needs to earn <laughs> your empathy or sympathy, yeah. but there's a lot of good reasons if you've ever spent any time in Houston to feel particularly heartbroken about such an incredible city being in such precarious circumstances. Yeah. I have this article from uh, The Baffler. It's by Micah Fields. It's mostly about that guy mattress mac Mm -hmm. who opened up his mattress store to be like a shelter but um towards the beginning he has this quote where he says uh i guess he lived there for a while or maybe just for college i like to call houston america's biggest instance of unintentional art Mm -hmm. because it is this sprawling community but that sprawl allows it to incorporate all these different groups of people and uh different like multi-use buildings and Mm -hmm. stuff so like you'll have the flats where we have really fancy bar and coffee shop but also the factories or you'll have like the super wealthy house right next to the ranch house Mm -hmm. uh which is also some of the stuff that you know again like made this a really difficult disaster to respond to so like i was thinking one of the things i wanted to talk about was the government's response obviously a lot of people were wondering, you know, why wasn't an evacuation order given early on to protect people? But one of the problems with being such a sprawling uh, city where you have, you know, so many multiple essentially city centers and then burbs that yeah. correspond to those multiple city centers is that when you tell everyone to evacuate, you actually have, and it happened, I think in 2004 here. Uh, whatever the hurricane was back then. I read about it, but I forget what the name was now. But maybe I... No, not Ike. I don't know. Haven't they in, you, like, five or ten years had three, like, hist- like huge historic levels of flooding? Yeah, but this yeah. was actually talking about something that happened in 2004. Because, like, Alice was, like, one of the more recent times they had mm. flooding. And that was, like, in 2012. But oh, okay. this was talking about, like, 20... I think it was 2004. When they told people, I think about 72 hours in advance, everyone evacuate the city or as much as many people that can should. And they had, I forget, I think it was like over 100 deaths or around there um, as a result of the evacuation, basically. Because uh, you have people, first of all, it's very hot, right? So people dying in cars that are... Uh, breaking down, overheating on the side Mm. of the road, especially, I assume, elderly people probably having, like, heat strokes. Uh, You have people running out of gas, accidents being caused. On top of that, you know, if there is a flash flood or anything like that, people being swept away in their vehicles or drowning in their vehicles. Um, 
basically they were all vehicle related uh, deaths. So the point this time was to try and avoid that, um, which I guess is why they didn't tell people like mandatory evacuation. Yeah, because they didn't have enough notice. And yeah, and I think there was less notice about this. Also, because I mean, it literally they were like, "Oh, it's a tropical depression. Oh, it, actually, it's a Category Three hurricane. Oh, actually, it's a Category Four hurricane." So it kept like developing yeah. very quickly. But so that's one of the reasons, and also I guess one of the problems with having such a sprawling city as opposed to a more traditional city. Because I mean, some of the things that happen here right, happen specifically because of Houston, because of how because Houston of the is character of the city, yeah. like, its structure. Yeah, in, in this article. The Micah, Micah Fields article, he says, um, in the past 25 years, Houston's concrete service area has increased by more than 25%. Yeah. Whenever yeah. my mom tries to explain, like, when she was talking to my grandma, like, what happened, my grandma's like, I don't understand, like, how can so much of Houston be covered in water, right? Like, because you would just think it's, it's so much space to be covered. How is it holding mm. this much water? Yeah. My mom was telling her, like, well, they there aren't that many green areas basically there aren't any trees there yeah. everything's concrete you know so on top yeah. of being a low-lying city by the ocean basically it's also just there's nowhere to, for that water to absorb there aren't tree roots yeah. and stuff to take it in not that that would automatically make things better it would still be awful but i think it could potentially you know mitigate the disaster a little bit yeah. Houston doesn't have very restrictive zoning at all. It doesn't all. have, like, any restrictions on zoning. Um, this article says there are some, but it doesn't I know, go into but... the details. Okay. He also says, did you know this, that uh, Houston lies on a series of giant underground salt domes? And those salt, do- salt domes have been hollowed out in oil extraction efforts over the last hundred years. So that it says, leaving the city sinking on its shallow mm-hmm. crust. Yeah, I did know that because there are people in, around the Seneca Lake area in New York who are in the same situation yeah they have like yeah wineries in a specific microclimate and also these yeah like salt caves basically underneath uh where they are and they want you know frackers want to drill there and they keep saying like please don't do this we have other examples yeah of where this is like not been a great you know thing for the community and Houston is one of those areas. Yeah. Uh, Micah Field says because of the sinking and because of the, you know, unchecked development, constantly increasing the level of concrete, he says slowly Houston is on its way to becoming a smooth and massive bowl. Right. Yeah. I mean, it does, yeah, it kind of feels that way a little bit. Yeah. When you're there. Yeah. It does have a good amount of greenery, though, to give people who've never been there more of an idea of what it's actually like. Yeah. Not every neighborhood, but like. Yeah. There's a lot of areas that are very much just developed, just development, development. Like a lot of, you know, just commerce in the middle, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever there's like some business, it's then just spreads and spreads and spreads and then more and more. And, you know, every time you open a store in America, you put down a parking lot, right? Yeah, totally. Especially in Texas, yeah. where there's no public yeah. transport. Yeah. And it's not like Austin, where they're like, uh, we want parks. We like parks. Yeah. Uh, Houston has, like, one. Yeah, they definitely have some, you know, big parks, but it's, that's not that enough. One. Millennium there's Park a few. is a No, I mean, there's, like, Eleanor Tinsley or Tinsey or whatever. Mm. There's a few, but 
and and they're beautiful parks, but yeah, it's not enough for a city that size. You know, yeah. you you want to like also trees are really important, not just parks, right? Mm-hmm. And like when you're developing a bunch of McMansions, Clear the cut. first thing you do is cut down all the trees, yeah. right? Like that's why I was like the neighborhood that I grew up in in Columbus versus some of the neighborhoods where like you know some family friends would move to where they were just doing new development because yeah there were like entire houses that were like way too big in the air in the neighborhood that i grew up in but there were pretty strict zoning laws and like you could not cut down trees that were like especially like big ones that were old <laughs> and as a result like you know i think that community had a lot more character than some of the newer developments when i'd go visit like family friends and stuff where it's yeah. like oh wow you guys have like twigs in the ground there's saplings yeah. that are you know just starting to be trees because of course then they plant some because i mean it does look hideous if you have like no trees mm-hmm. but that's one plus austin has over the majority of houston yeah when people renovate their houses they're like they spend a lot of money on it and they preserve those trees well they also they have like laws to mm. force them to and actually like Greg Abbott was like the governor was trying to get around those laws because (laughs) he had like a couple of these like um trying to get around them just for himself personally yeah Yeah. he had like a couple of these oak trees and I think some magnolia trees too that you're like not supposed to cut down because they're like protected and he essentially flouted the law and cut them down you know we shouldn't criticize him though because he's in a wheelchair I learned Yeah, that's not a good reason. He's like cutting down. Or he's like, he's cutting them down so he can expand his McMansion, which is already huge, into uh, an even larger mansion, yeah. basically. So, uh, yeah, I don't feel too bad for him. Actually, though, he's one of the people I wanted to talk about in the government response because, you know, I kept like seeing these press conferences he's having. Uh, where he is surrounded by a bunch of official-looking people, like head of police, head of fire department, whatever. And they're, like, all just congratulating themselves on, like, Mm. a job well done and telling everyone that they've, like, got the situation under control. (laughs) And he's, like, thanking local leaders and all this stuff. And it just felt like a big circle jerk, basically. It's just a lot of... Both press conferences I watch, it's just a lot of empty words, you know? And, I mean, I guess it helped in some ways. One of them, he was, like, reassuring people because there's this, like, rumor going around about this law changing in Texas that had to do with filing insurance claims by September 1st, and people were being told, like, if they didn't file them by September 1st, there were going to be these big penalties they were going to have, which would suck, obviously. Can you imagine, like, your house is flooding and you're looking for the right paperwork to fill out (laughs) so you can get reimbursed? Yeah. So he did tell people, like, that that wasn't going to be an issue. That law was, like, dealt with That's a great example of our, you know, fucked up neoliberalized society. Yeah how important the paperwork was Mm -hmm. that on tv the governor is reassuring you about your paperwork as this crisis is unfolding yeah and it kind of was crazy to watch that because while he's like doing that and while they're all like officially congratulating themselves on having a handle on the situation or whatever afterwards the Mm -hmm. local news you know cuts to regular people like saving each other right i mean all of the rescues we saw on the local news were volunteers saving each other crazy like we didn't see like police officers until like saturday night or so when they showed up with those big like military vehicles to drive people away but like the first 
thing the first responders essentially were neighbors right people who had access to boats and like mega trucks and that's kind of one interesting thing about this you know we're talking about the character of houston um and also of texas i suppose is that so many people here people because they've lived near the coast for so long have boats because there is money in houston people can afford to have boats in some not everybody of course but you know there is like oil money and stuff that has allowed a lot of people to live pretty decent lives long enough that they were able to acquire some extra things like mega trucks and yeah. boats. I mean, working on an oil rig is a, like it's a good like upper class job. Yeah. Even though it doesn't have the class status. Yeah. But it but gives you, you a good amount afford, of money. Yeah, yeah. You know, a fishing boat or whatever. So that was interesting because you know we were, we obviously like over the course of the week we've had different friends and family members like message us or whatever just to check in and see how we're doing and we were talking to some Macedonian friends who. Are saying like oh so you know sorry that this is happening but um also like thank goodness it's not happening in macedonia you know we had like horrific rains for like three days or whatever and this many people died and the government like didn't do anything about it and i kind of was like you know i definitely hear you but our government is not doing anything about it like the government in america is shit and in yeah. Texas is corrupt, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's not the government that is helping people. Like, it's a combination of specifically a culture of mega trucks, and, yeah. you know, ATVs and things like that in Texas that is actually helpful in this situation. Yeah. And also just, just people doing the work, which is really crazy. I was thinking, too, like, why does it have to be volunteers that are... Why do these people have to be volunteers? Why can't they just, like, sign up somewhere, like, on a government website or whatever, check in that they're helping people, and get paid for their work? This could be a jobs program. And then we could let the market decide who the best volunteers are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then you can Yelp review your saviors. Yeah. No, no, I don't think that's necessary. No. I think it is. I think it's a good... I think it's at least something nice. we should consider. Because why in the richest country in the world... When that happens in Macedonia and the government doesn't respond... You know, there's a lot of reasons for it, I'm sure. Like, not being organized, whatever. But one of them is, like, they don't have any money, you know? Like, partially because the government, at least the last yeah. government, was looting, you know, yeah. uh, the public coffers. But at the same time, like, this is the richest nation in the world. This is a rich-ass state. Like, we're talking yeah. about how much money is in Houston. Mm-hmm. And yet, the government officials are just on TV. I don't see them anywhere. I don't see the government yeah. helping. And- so why is it... A volunteer effort that's yeah. happening. Why can't these people be compensated in some way? Those people who are saving people are losing everything too. It's not like they're going back to warm, yeah, a safe lot homes. Of them, yeah, a lot of them had their own homes flooded. Yeah, and, and a lot of the news anchors too. You yeah, know, like, but they still came to work. Yeah, and... one of them was like crying because she's like had a baby recently. She had to make sure she had her baby like evacuated yep. to Cyprus and stuff like that. And yeah. You know, she's stressed out because she hasn't seen her baby in three days and her house is flooding. And, I know. You know. And then everybody's like, oh, hold on, hold on. Greg Abbott's going to come on TV. Yeah. And he comes on and, like, that's when... Say anything. That's the best time to take a bathroom break, you know? Yeah. Like, we were so glued to the coverage. Yeah. Um, 
because partly because we wanted to see the weather updates to see what was going to happen to us. Yeah. But we ended up just watching it for like a day and a half or two days. Well, you feel so helpless. Yeah. And also, yeah, you want to know where it's going next because it could, you know, yeah. for a while its projected path was right towards us. But it was, you know, just, okay, let's, to talk about it just as like aesthetic experience now, it was so compelling. Yeah. Um, it was like really good television. Yeah. And you saw so many different types of people, you know, yeah. people that you would think are like, you know, not to be mean, but like kind of white trashy, mm-hmm. like especially the way they speak and Rednecks. stuff. Rednecks. Rednecks, yeah. Showing yeah. up with their fishing boats. Yeah, and people, you know, Latino people and people like biker dudes oh, with like about... braided beards and stuff yeah. that if I saw like maybe late at night, I'd be like, ooh. How, how <laughs> but cool he's was... out there helping people. Yeah. Or how cool was it where, um, so there was the, we watched ABC 13. Yeah. And... What was the the black anchor's name? His name was like uh, like Cletus or something. It wasn't Cletus, <laughs> but it was like a CL name. I don't know. I don't remember. Man, I feel bad because I don't. I also don't remember the white guy's name who was really good. Remember? No, you were more attached like to their names than I was. They're so, a little interchangeable of people too. <laughs> well, the white guy was really good. He was like so because some of the anchors were more awkward, right? Yeah. They're like. Um, uh, like they're just walking around and telling you what's going on and then the host back in the studio will be like oh why don't you talk to that person over there Yeah. and the anchor would go up and be like hey ma'am how's it going like yeah. have you ever seen anything like this before yeah, yeah and they kept late, asking people yeah and these people evacuating their home are like I don't I'm going you know this yeah. is insane I just want to like go get on the boat to get rescued yeah. right now yeah and the, the, the people in the studio are like uh you know to ask them if there's ever been flooding this bad in their area like yeah the same thing over and over yeah um but that this one anchor i want to say his name was jeff or something my god like the tall white guy um uh, who worked like 36 yeah hours. i know who you're talking about yeah he was so good yeah um, he was yeah and he's out there you know actually helping people from time to yeah. time and actually doing the work of helping people and uh yeah like he was actually like at a rescue area like while he's like doing the news also like reassuring people like reassuring this woman who's like yeah. we've been here for hours no one's told us he's like no i swear the process yeah. works i've seen it work i've seen people get taken from here to the shelter of their choice don't worry like yeah. it's gonna happen for you and you can like see this woman's like fears being allayed like on air like yeah. you know and he is like a little girl like wanted water that he was interviewing so he like walked her over to the water station <laughs> yeah, yeah. her mom's like what he's like it's okay she just wants water i'm just taking her to get water like Jeez. he was, he on was a, like telling people where to go like a, while he was doing the news he was on a cul-de-sac that was flooding and some rescuers had showed up and um you know he was talking to the people who were getting in the boats and then you know he would fill in time so he walks over to some other houses where people are just standing around and he's asking them like you know, are you evacuating or are you staying? And without judgment, he's asking yeah. like, why they chose to stay if yeah. they're doing that. And he gets real answers like, well, you know, I'm, I have like an elderly relative that I have to take care of. Or, um, well, we just thought it'd be better for our whole family stuck together. Yeah. So he goes up to the next house and it's uh, just a guy who's kind of older, who's like standing in his garage. And, uh, you know, this anchor will just... I think we're calling him Jeff because I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Is telling him, "Hey, you know, are you evacuating? Like, there's these people here who can take you." And this guy didn't even know, like, what was going on. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, we don't have, like, electricity, so like, what's the weather gonna be like?" (laughs) And the anchor is like filling him in, 
Yeah, he was asking him, like, is it bad out there? Like, yeah. you know, because he's been in his house, obviously. Yeah. He has no idea what actual, like, road conditions are yeah, like. Yeah, and he doesn't know what to do. Like, the water's not really that close to their house yet. But yeah. the road's completely flooded. So if they want to evacuate, they need to get on this boat. Yeah. And so he didn't know what to do until this anchor comes up and starts talking to him. And the guy, and he's like, so do you think you, should, you want to evacuate or stay here? And he's like, well, I'll have to call the wife. Like, she calls the shots. Yeah. <laughs> And the anchor's like, oh, yeah, it's like that for me, too. Yeah. And uh, he goes back inside and figures out what he's doing, you know. Yeah, like, part of the problem was the wife's elderly father, too, right? Right. And she was at work, you yeah. know? Like, so many working-class people had to go to their jobs through all this shit. Yeah, it's one of the things I want to get into a little more later. But, so the other anchor, um, the, the black anchor that we'll call Clayton... Or Cletus or Clarence or something like that. Yeah. Is okay. that right? <laughs> uh, probably. I don't know. Not so, Cletus. Cletus remember? is just yeah. a, a typical redneck name. Yeah. Um, so he was uh, in like a black neighborhood, which is why I mentioned that he's black. I mentioned the other guy is white, though. So Okay. No, okay. One, no one's accusing you. It's okay. Fine. Thank you. But um, so he found these people that had uh, broken into a church to get shelter because it's kind of built up. And the whole neighborhood was flooding. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't even get into the church without walking through water up to your shins. And they had busted in the night before to find shelter because they tried to find the pastor to ask if they could stay there and they couldn't find him. So they just let themselves in and there were like 50 to 100 people there. And the anchor is talking to them and like, you know, helping them figure out what to do and telling them, um, you know, like there's some people coming with a boat on their way or I saw them up here or they can take you to such and such shelter. And um, so A, it was really cool to see those people had, you know, taken it upon themselves to find shelter this way. And also, you know, it's good television or whatever, like this anchor is being so real. Yeah. Both of these two, like some of the anchors were like really awkward and had a hard time handling it. But these two um, were like good enough at TV, being on TV that I didn't even worry about that. Yeah. Like they just worried about like being real people in this situation. Yeah what you can do to talk to people and help them and then later on like they're in the studio giving the weather report and that guy like calls in on his phone because he's like i just had to run away from the microphone and the camera guy because there's a woman giving birth giving birth over here yeah and like my mother is like a midwife yeah so so i knew how to help her give birth yeah and the hot like the ambulance couldn't get there yet eventually they got her to an ambulance yeah and so so like they he called in and then they switch over to to him on the phone yeah and you just hear him being like it's gonna be okay take a deep breath yeah just breathe in and out like through your nose in through your nose out through your mouth and you're like oh my god what's going on yeah yeah for a second i didn't even know what was happening i was like what are we hearing right yeah. now and then it was like yeah he's apparently helping this woman through her labor pains yeah and then she probably gave birth like right after that in the ambulance yeah probably like, yeah yeah yeah, which was really interesting, uh, especially compared to, you know, some Seeing of... Seeing the leaders on TV. Yeah, but also go. some of the, you know, national news anchors, right? So we saw yeah. um, stories about this ABC news reporter, I think ABC, Bob like, News and La- World reporter. Yeah, yeah. Not local. Robert Lamas, I think was his name. Okay. Something Lamas. And he was tweeting about how he had like informed the police that he saw looters at a grocery store yeah taking food to survive like like, yeah it's 
people, also known as like people getting food during yeah. a flood, right? Like yeah. the grocery store is not open because no one can even get there to operate it. We, they showed a Kroger that was open and they were only letting in like 10 people at a time because there are only like four employees in the mm-hmm. entire Kroger because that's the only people who can make it there. And I'm pretty sure that the only reason those people bothered to show up to work is because they realized like people need supplies right and people were waiting patiently at the kroger that was open they didn't bum rush the kroger right it was just that when it's not open and you already came here and you fucking you know braved floodwaters to get here like what are you supposed to do risk starvation because you can't give somebody ten dollars you can give them a ten dollar bill for this bread i mean the idea that yeah, it's the the food should stay secure in the locked away from everyone in the building, <laughs> yeah. you know? Is so it's crazy. Yeah, it's just it's like literally forgetting that we're but, human beings, yeah. you know? And for so many and, people that's their first Yeah, and I mean this storm kept reminding me of that. Just this basic thing where they just kept telling people, Get to higher ground, get to higher ground, go to the second floor, you know, get on top of your roof if you can. Like get go on the second floor. I read one thing saying go on the second floor and if you can with some tools in case you need to bust through the roof to get out from up top right, to be rescued, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was just such a, like, reminder of, like, we're animals, right? Like, they told ranchers when there was flooding, like, in East Texas, um, as the storm moved that way, like, just release your cattle. They'll seek higher ground on their own. Otherwise, you're going to kill them, right? Like, they're just going to drown. But they'll be in the roads. So drivers watch out. Yeah. Because it's going to be filled with Because the highest ground is the highways. Yeah. So many of the highways luckily were closed, but yeah, watch out because there's going to be cattle just yeah. going to higher ground. And it was like, we are animals. We're human. Like we have this, we need to follow that most basic instinct in a disaster like this. And the idea that instead you're telling people instead of following their most basic survival instincts, like get to higher ground, get shelter, get food, mm-hmm. get clean water. Instead of doing that, that you're worried that someone's going to, that Kroger is going to lose, what, a thousand dollars? How many, I mean, how much is the bread at Kroger worth, really, Mm -hmm. you know? How much bread are you going to be able to take during a storm, anyway? And your most basic instinct isn't just to survive, but to help other people survive, including your animals, whether it's cows or your pets. So many people were getting on the rescue boats with their pets, which was awesome, and nobody was like... Leave them in the water, you know? Yeah, we heard so many places that were like, yeah, the shelters are taking pets. We're not turning anyone away for any reason. Like, you know. Yeah. So that was, like, really, really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was like, oh, we live in a rational society. You have to use your cold logic. We can't take in these dogs. Like, no, like, bring them. Like, they're living things. You're responsible for them. Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's dangerous to have some cows in the road, but, like, what are we going to do? Let them die when we could let them live? Like... Yeah, our uh, local vets here, like, were asking people for supplies, like, pet supplies, you know, Mm. that they're driving down to um, Houston shelters. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, the instinct is to help other people. It doesn't even matter if you're doing your job, which is to be a anchor you know yeah it doesn't matter if your own house is flooded you have a boat and people came out yeah a lot of the anchors like uh, i saw i watched one she was helping people like she was asking them or whatever you know have you ever seen anything like this but she's also like helping them carry their shit from their house to the boat you know yeah it's annoying that she's asking them this question in the worst moment of their lives but at the same time like she's mm-hmm. also helping yeah and then contrast that with the cnn reporter who was like getting in i mean maybe she didn't mean to but getting in this mother's face and asking her like basically is this the worst day of your life and stuff like that (laughs) and that mom like cursed her out and was like get your fucking microphone out of my fucking face yeah like this is the worst like fucking day of my life we're just trying to find shelter you know 
And it was like, oh, this was this expletive-laden, you know, response, like, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, uh, I think, again, in, like, East Texas where there was flooding, this guy was trying to drive through some of the flooding, and then he tried to turn around in what he thought was, like, a cul-de-sac, but he actually ended up hitting, like, the curb, and then his car was starting to go down a ravine. Wow. And the CNN reporters, like, managed to, like, help get him out and stuff. And then even as he got out, he, like, almost fell because he was, like, like fell forward because he was so, like, you know, stressed out and getting dizzy and disoriented and stuff. And he was, like, mm-hmm. kind of an older guy. And then they interviewed him later, and he was like, yeah, like you know, yeah, I thought that was the end, basically, yeah. you know. And then... So my mom was, so, okay, so there are, like, some good CNN reporters, some bad CNN reporters, <laughs> I guess. But my um, mom was, like, looking at some link that someone had, you know, that she's, like, Facebook friends with or whatever, had shared. And the person on the link was, like, CNN did a false flag. They're trying to, like, rehab their image. Like, they're basically saying, like, how could you not know, uh... like, when you're turning that this is that there's a ravine there and blah, blah, blah. It's like, because everything's fucking flooded and there's, like... It yeah. winds at like 40 miles an hour. How are you going to know how deep the, the ground is under yeah, the water? Yeah, it was, it was stupid. But the point is that... The hated CNN. Yeah, like that there's immediately, um, you know, this questioning of the uh, national news. And, you know, you can take that for whatever it's worth. I mostly just think it's kind of funny. But it was very clear, I think, watching this, how important local news actually is, you know. And even just watching the Houston local news versus mm-hmm. the smaller news, in, you know, in East yeah. Texas, they're just way less, because they don't have that many people at the local news station anymore, just way less capable of handling the, yeah. the news coverage that they, you know, want to bring to people during a storm because, you know, funding has been cut or whatever. But um, I don't know. It just made me really appreciative of, like, local media, actually. Yeah. The people, the, like, leaders, like, the people who were in charge in East Texas, where it was smaller, um, were actually a lot better than when we saw somebody talk about Houston. And, you know, like, we saw that one guy come on early on on, like, Saturday from Houston and uh, talk about all the assets they have and how they're allocating assets. Yeah. It's like, man, this is a human tragedy. Yeah. Like, you're talking, like, he called the, no, it's an he exercise. called them, like... He was talking about boats, but he called them, like, (laughs) water assets or something (laughs) stupid like that. That was like, dude, just fucking say boats, like, you know. And then we watched East Texas, and they're talking to, like, the sheriff of the county. And she's tearing up a bit because she's talking about how her own house is flooded. Yeah. But she had to come out here and help. Yeah. she's doing it. And they talked to a bunch of... Yeah, she's like, I'm sorry I'm late getting here, basically, for the interview, but I had to stop along the way and help people, essentially. Yeah. And she only teared up, like, a little bit for her own house. And then she just talked about what they got to do and what people should know. And they talked to a judge who was the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in this smaller town, you know... Not that it's a small town. It's like a pretty big community made up of multiple small cities. Yeah. But this, on this smaller scale, the people were more real. Like yeah. Just as good as, you know, like these good anchors we're talking about in Houston. Whereas, like, the leadership in this Houston and then in the state, just like, as you get further and further away up the hierarchy, it's just less and less human. Oh, including national media. Further up the hierarchy, farther exactly. away, less human. Yeah. Um, like on local media, they might briefly mention that oh, cops are cops are telling us that they're worried about like a looting situation or people. They, staying you know, I actually didn't hear anybody. The local mention news wasn't looting. interested yeah. in that. 
No. Yeah. Because it's not interesting. Yeah. When you're, like, worried and concerned about the reality yeah. of it. Yeah, like, who cares? And so, if, I don't even know where they imagine someone would, like, take a TV if they stole one because yeah. everything's underwater. But who cares? Even if someone stole a TV or something, you know? Yeah. Like, it just literally does not matter. There's nothing that's more important than, you know, the human-to-human connections that are happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, speaking of human-to-human connections, I guess we can briefly touch on the fact that, uh, you know, Joel Osteen got called out sure. for not opening yeah, his mega church. Yeah. Um, it's atrocious. I, I hope also everyone heard that, by contrast, the... Um, Islamic community in Houston, you know, opened their like 21 mosques or whatever to people immediately. And I think one of the things that I remember from the statement that was put out by like the, you know, I don't know, Greater Houston Islamic Association or whatever, uh, was, um, like everything that's ours is here to be shared or whatever, you know? Yeah. It was like really a beautiful statement and a time you would expect that statement from Mm -hmm. anybody, but was really important since... Uh, well, Joel Osteen isn't really, like, a Houston preacher. He's a national figure, right? So it's, again, like, going up the hierarchy. But, like, where... away from the situation, true. less humanity. But, like, where his church is used to be where, like, the Houston Astros played, right? It's like a, I think it was a different team, but yeah. Oh. I thought, well, I think... I don't know. I, I don't know, know. sports think, teams yeah. is really what I'm trying to but tell you But it's a stadium. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, is I mean, that the if one you... that's by the Lexus dealership? Yeah, it's, yeah. like, gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. So it could fit thousands of people. And the idea that he said, oh, we'll open it just as soon as every other shelter in Houston <laughs> is filled to capacity is absurd, especially when I'm telling you that every shelter that was open was saying we're not turning anyone away for any reason, which I think probably meant even, like, being at capacity, yeah, right? Like, yeah. we just need to get as many people to a safe situation as possible will deal with capacity worries and moving people around to wherever there's more space later right like Mm -hmm. so i I don't know it was just it was really awful and seems like we should just be sure to shit on him like everyone else you know has i appreciate that um so this mattress guy though no you don't want me to talk about all right talk about the mattress uh the article i was talking about from the baffler by micah fields called mattress mac will save you it's a great article it's short. Everybody should read it. You should read it later. It's cool. But um, I won't talk about it too much because I don't. We don't know who Mattress Mac is, but apparently he's like a huge local icon. Because... I mean, sounds like it from Mattress. Mattress Mac is a good name to give yourself. Yeah. You know? It sounds from this article like maybe he was one of the people who invented that sort of like, you know, getting on TV and ranting about how crazy your deals yeah. are situation. Like, um, he says that his business was like in a big slump during the eighties. And he allegedly invented that style by going on TV and ad-libbing. Yeah, it says he disliked the sluggish pace of the script he was going to do for the commercial. So he decided to ad-lib a spooling rant of red-hot savings, packing everything he could into his precious 30 seconds of airtime in, like, a frantic pitch. And that became his gimmick. His store apparently was really weird. Like, first this guy says, oh, he didn't come here for college because he was a kid, and he'd go to he'd go to a gallery of furniture, and there would just be, like, um, grant or um, goldfish crackers everywhere for like kids to enjoy. Okay. And uh, then when his business started picking up, he added massive showrooms complete with cafes and snack bars and cages of exotic animals, <laughs> birds and monkeys, <laughs> okay. for customers to ogle while testing out recliners. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's like let he's opened up the store and people are like sleeping in the showrooms now. Yeah. Which is really fucking cool. Yeah. It's also good good business. I mean that's what I don't understand about Joel Olstein's thing is like why wouldn't you want the positive PR, you know? Like I know, yeah. this is who is ever going to when all these people are going to need new mattresses. I mean, yeah. let's be real, right? A lot of people in Houston are going to need new mattresses after this. And where the fuck are you going to go? Like, why not go to Mattress Mac, this person who cares about the community and is, you know, yeah. cares about you, like is investing back in the community, right? Like, yeah. It says Mattress Mac is a vocal tea partier, like a, a buy your bootstraps kind of dude. And, like, it says he's known to rope his employees into standing at attention while playing God Bless America and the Star Spangled Banner, like, through the store speaker, like, while people are shopping. Um, And he says, uh, the author here, I watched him in his public speech he gave once for some reason, decry the use of public assistance. Um, So the author says he was really, it was a minor surprise when Mac, when he heard that Mattress Mac had opened uh, two of his locations to, you know, climate refugees and stocked him with food and water and lots of mattresses. And he says, the act of generosity shocked me for a brief moment, uh, but then it didn't at all, because this is the thing about those hard-charging capitalist cowboys. The tough guy shtick breaks down every time it's held to the light, and not because people are particularly compassionate beyond belief or any saccharine thing like that. It's just that the tight-walleted conservative sentiment relies on, only on a lack of refusal of the imagination. And once imagination's not required... Once the consequences are real and close to you, the answers get easy. What do you do? Help. Contribute. Share. Why is that so hard to grasp in the abstract? Why must it be tested in the extremely life-threateningly tangible to prove essential? Yeah. Yeah. Why is it so easy for some to fabricate and fixate on the image of the lazy citizen, the government parasite? But alternatively, it's difficult for them to imagine the Houstonian grandmother standing on her roof drenched in rain. Hmm. Yeah. So I thought that might be a good segue to talking about capitalism more broadly. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the last things that I kind of took some notes on that I felt really frustrated about all week watching, you know, the news and just thinking about Harvey. And I think I ranted at my mom about this. and was like, I should probably write this down so I can remember <laughs> to tell other people about it. Uh, so I'll try not to rant as much, but I might. Um, That's fine. I just stole somebody else's rant. <laughs> uh yeah, so this is, like, an issue that I think about a lot, uh, and this was just, you know, I think laid even more bare in a situation like this, um, is about how there are just so many invisible costs of capitalism, you know? So people will tell you, like, oh, capitalism is the most efficient system, you know? Um, maybe it's not the best, but, you know, by God, is it efficient? It gets the most food to the most people and it allows the most people to afford houses and cars and you know look at how much better off we are than china or whatever yeah Yeah. uh we all have washing machines and air conditioning and you know they're still i don't know using a horse and buggy or i mean that's (laughs) not true to wash their clothes yeah yeah Yeah. it's very inefficient (laughs) dragging their clothes through the field with a plow um but that's basically, right, like, the, the sentiment that you hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, that is such utter bullshit. And I think I mean, everyone knows it, but yeah. I feel like we still need to keep saying it all the time because sometimes, like, the most obvious things when they're not said enough can be, like, easily forgotten, I think, you know? Um, so, obviously, like, when, like, liberals talk about this, they'll mention, like, 
uh, you know, like right when um, Obama was arguing with Mitt Romney or debating with Mitt Romney or whatever, and he, uh, Mitt Romney was like, "I built that." Then Obama was like, "But you used roads to get to Bain Capital. You yep. didn't build that." Yep, Obama logic him. <laughs> okay, so people will mention like liberals, especially will mention like you know roads or infrastructure or schools. Mm-hmm. Um, as different things that benefit the private market that um, then later rich people yeah. aren't willing to pay taxes to uh, like yeah. buy into. For some reason, nobody into. mentions like laws that allow you to have private property or like police yeah. to protect it. Yeah, which yeah. Is, seems like, well, because that would really give away the whole shebang totally. if you pointed out the police are there to protect it's your like private property. It's like invisible to people. It's like, yeah. yeah. But there's other things that are... So those are kind of abstract is my point, though, like schools, roads, like, you know, you're talking about a lack of imagination or whatever with someone like Mattress Mac, like, um, well, you know, maybe it's also like a sense that like that's too abstract, like, because, you know, like we moved to this town, the roads were already built, right? Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, we pay taxes and maybe some of those taxes go towards building roads or whatever, but you don't necessarily, or schools, but you don't really feel it. It's not, it's not as tangible, but there's other stuff in capitalism that you kind of pay for every day that you don't even notice. So if you just think about, like, I always say, like, I should be paid in the morning for getting ready to go to work, right? Like, that hour that I spend yeah. getting ready, I should be paid for. Because if I work, like, especially, like, as a bank teller or something, and I just showed up the way I do, like, on a, when I wake up yeah. on a Saturday morning and I just, you know, I'm in a t-shirt and, like, old lacrosse shorts and you know my hair is like a giant poof you know and just my eyes are like all you know puffy Mm. and whatever if i showed up to work like that who's gonna trust me as a bank teller to you know count their money or as a even even just a heb like at the grocery store or something to work as a cashier or someone who works in their the food section like you know I don't know, with the fish or whatever. It doesn't matter. People would not want to see me that way, right? Like, they're not going to trust that person. So the fact, you know, you may say, well, you don't have to wear makeup or whatever. Yeah, you don't have to. Well, I was going to, yeah. But like, but it's not just that they, um, like, steal your time. But they also instrumentalize your personality. As in, like, um, yeah, you, well, why don't you just spend less time doing it? You yeah. know, if it's such a problem. But also, um like, why don't you be the best you can possibly be and spend as much time as it takes? And right? also... Especially as a woman. Why am I buying that makeup? Maybe if it was just for me, I would buy, like, I don't know, some mascara and lipstick and call it a day. But then when you're thinking about how other people are going to perceive you, you want to look healthy, maybe you buy some foundation and cover-up and bronzer. And, you know, you buy more and more shit because you want to look good in front of other people that you're going to be... Yeah, serving not just that you want clothes. to, but you have to because we live in a competition. So it's you can't just do the. But like, minimum. so when you started your job before that, you worked at from home. Yeah, and then we like went to the store with a specific purpose of buying work clothes and work shoes, and all of those clothes are things that on the weekend or whenever you have free time, you never want to ever. Even though I think they're nice, but you never <laughs> want to wear you know the button down shirt that you wear to work, right? Because mm-hmm. The only reason that shirt exists in your closet, the only reason that money was spent was for work. Right. So why shouldn't you be paid like a, I don't know, as part of your hiring bonus, a a clothes stipend or whatever? Because they're the ones who tell you you can't wear jeans, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're only allowed to wear jeans on Fridays. Yeah. 
And so these are my nicest pants. Yeah. So yeah. it's stuff like that that you're paying for both with your time. I can't do anything else in that hour before work when I'm getting ready. Yeah. And I don't wear those clothes anywhere else besides to work because that's not my style that's the style of the people who hired me who decided this is appropriate work attire or whatever and we all like basically choose to sleep less to make this balance work for us psychically yeah so then we're like taxing our bodies and our health exactly and what happens when you sleep less you eat more and then Mm. you gain weight and what comes with gaining weight a whole lot of yeah, cholesterol. I mean, not sleeping is bad for your cholesterol. Oh, but when you gain weight also, yeah. yeah, cholesterol goes up, heart disease is more likely. I mean, there's a whole host of, you know, diseases and issues that come along with gaining weight, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's all, but there are real costs to you personally. But that's that your are, choice. Uh, yeah, right. Because that's, money isn't inherently coercive. Yeah. We don't all need money to survive. My God, when you work a place that only gives you 30 hours for lunch and they don't yeah. pay you for that 30 hours, yeah. um, you only have time, or 30 hours, 30 minutes. Yeah, I know. What you you mean. only have time to go buy like a burrito from the fast food place or whatever. And there's also even more basic stuff, right? Like, you know, um, why do we need two cars? Yeah. Right? So you have to buy the two cars. You have to buy insurance for both of the cars. Oh, true, and you have yeah. to buy gas we don't use, for both of the cars. We don't use two cars on the weekend. Yeah. We use one. Yeah. yeah. The only reason you need two cars is because you have two completely different places to go yeah. during the week. When right? our two cars broke down at the same time, I just couldn't go to work. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, so there's really basic personal costs like that that we just take on, whether it's health costs, time costs, or mm-hmm. obviously, you know, uh, monetary costs um, that are just invisible costs of capitalism yeah. that no one expects, you know, the capitalists to pay for. And believe it or not, I, I do think that is part of, like, they're putting that money in their pocket, basically, right? That is yeah, part yeah. of the profit that totally. they get to take because that's the extra. That's yeah. that, them cutting corners, them making your existence harder because like at one point like bank tellers for existence they used to have a uniform and then some ambitious vp of whatever came along and was like i'm gonna cut costs for this bank and that's gonna help me move up the ladder i know what i'll do look employees will be so happy you can wear whatever you want to work and meanwhile we don't have to pay for your uniform anymore and that goes hand in hand with this other like more contemporary psychic exploitation. Yeah. Like, it used to be in the 70s or 60s. Yeah, now you can show your personality. Yeah. Yeah. And it used to be that, um, you know, you got to take a lunch break during work, and that was covered by your pay. Yeah. And then they took that away. Now you're not only not being paid while you eat lunch, you're not only not being paid while you get ready in the morning or drive home from work, but now you're expected to, to want to be the best you can possibly be for your job. Yeah. And that includes you know, looking as good as you can and as professionally as you can, buying nice clothes so you can show off, making sure you have a nice watch. Yeah. You know, they get rid of the uniform, so now you have the opportunity to be yourself. And now that you have this opportunity to be yourself, you better prove that you're the type of person we want you to be Yeah. so that you can excel and succeed. And if you choose not to do that, then I guess you don't even want to succeed, so you deserve your immiseration. I mean, even we were watching the anchors. All of the anchors are fit yeah no one i mean some of the men have a bit of a belly not in east texas you can be more of a normal person yeah but the houston the women 
there's no belly, it's flat tummies, and they're like older ladies, but everyone's wearing a fitted dress that, you know, tucks yeah. you in and structures you, and yeah. I mean, there's, again, you don't have to work out, no yeah. one I'm sure told them and to work out, but being the type of person who works out mm-hmm. makes you more desirable And in it's this not job. just labor like the use of your time, it's like psychic labor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, it determines more and more what you do with your free time, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of why I feel like we should get paid for, or, it, you know, if I'm stuck in traffic every day for 30 minutes coming back from work... There's nothing else I can do with that time. And it, Why am I not being paid for that time? The only reason I'm in the traffic jam is because... I- yeah. And I'm probably just repeating myself over and over, but it like it's crafting your personality towards capital. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's like developing a your human capital. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, you're not just doing the labor to shape yourself, the time to dress yourself, but you're doing the emotional labor on yourself, the psychic labor to make yourself the kind of person that you have to be to succeed, which is the kind of person that will do anything to succeed because you want to succeed. So well, so when people say, oh, MSNBC is like, not rigged, but like biased or whatever. Um, and and then people on MSNBC will say, no, no, no one's ever told me what to report. I report what <sighs> yeah, I want. True. But there's a self-selection there that happens. There's a psychic labor like you're talking about that yeah. happens to become the type of person true. that will succeed at MSNBC. You self-censor. You learn. Yeah. This is the type of story my bosses want to see. And it doesn't matter that no one told you not or- to report I don't know, on Bernie or whatever. The point is you won't because you know this is a place where we are not interested in that. Or here's a great example. Imagine you get hired at Vox. You know exactly the type of person that you're supposed to be at Vox. You know the voice you're supposed to have, the thoughts you're supposed to have. The affectations. Well, actually. Totally. (laughs) It's not just about like having the opinions that you're expected to have. It's about being the type of person you're expected to be for this And if you're not cultivating some quirky, you know, interest in some lesser known topic. If you're not jazzed about white papers, then Then you're not the right person. person. Yeah. It's not just enough to do the work. Yeah. You have to do the work to make yourself the right type of person to succeed in this environment. Okay. So all of this discussion is because obviously there are also, you know, invisible costs, just like there are to people to the country from capitalism, right? So I think this is more where we can talk a bit about, like, roads, schools. But there's also, I mean, it's hard. Like, I obviously, like we talked about, our hearts go out to Houston. We love Houston. We love, you know, East Texas. We have friends and family there. Like, no one is um, trying to shit on the people that just were absolutely... you know, in a horrific situation. But at the same time, I think it would be crazy not to talk about the fact that Houston and East Texas are places with a ton of oil drilling and fracking, right? Um, The Golden Triangle, right? Because that's where they found so much oil to start, Mm -hmm. like in the 1900s. Houston, the Gulf. Galveston. I think Galveston, we heard, was the first place that they drilled in America. Oh, maybe. Places... That, you know, essentially, like you're saying, underneath are Swiss cheese because they've been drilled to shit, right? Yeah. Like, um, and so there's the, the whole time there's this idea of like, oh, 
they're making money and that alone is like giving back to America, right? That these corporations are successful, that they're making us oil yeah. independent or whatever. Um, because capitalism is so good, money is a sign of virtue. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if yeah, it's easy to understand that really when you think about it from that yeah. point of view. Yeah, yeah. Just apply that it's to anything an and you'll realize that that's like a truism in this country. Yeah. Um, just imagine why are you know poor people bad like oh well they're lazy they're drunk. yeah yeah they don't P- want most people are drunk or else yeah. they'd have a home they yeah have a job they can't keep a job yeah they can't stop drinking and people who have money are good that's why they have money they work hard that's why mm-hmm. they have money actually i was watching or reading an interview with kim kardashian where she was saying you know i don't act i don't sing i don't dance but what you can't but i work hard what you can't say about me is that i'm lazy and the idea that that was so important to her, yeah. because people kept saying, "Well, they're talentless. These Kardashians. What are oh, they even, you know, being true. paid for or whatever?" Yeah. And she's like, "But I work hard. I have a shoot at this time. I do this at this time. Like yeah. my day is this packed. Is I work hard. You don't even need talent to succeed. You need the work. You yeah. Need to put in the work. Yeah. She, she's trying to say, I'm virtuous. Yeah. I deserve all this money, right? It's the like Puritan. In the yeah. Audience. Yeah. And everybody. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. But anyway. Uh, so all this time they've been exploiting, 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 exploiting the earth. And there's all these capitalists that have been making so much money off of this, right? And not just money, I mean, just, just, and not just acquiring the, land and, and resources. I mean, Exxon and, is a yeah. country, basically. And to be honest, it's not just the people at the top. It's, it's oh, yeah. everybody who has a job, like, um, Every I don't know what they call contractor it. Contractor that, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, obviously they're being exploited, you know, they are workers, but they are compensated way better than most people in this yeah. country. Yeah, Um. So, but then at the same time, now, obviously, we have climate change, which is in no small part exacerbated by burning a bunch of oil and, you know, mm-hmm. drilling everything to shit. And, yeah. um, and Houston is sinking because we're drilling. And Texas. also, you know, just building a sprawling city that's that big requires more people to drive further and yeah. food to be bussed further. And, you know, everything is just more and more and more of this exploitation and, and degradation of the environment. So what was really interesting to me is as the storm hit, um, you know, uh, my mom works for a state university, so it's a little different. But my dad works for a private company we'll Mm -hmm. call it so we can protect his privacy (laughs) and they're they thought like so the storm hit last this we're recording this on friday september 1st it hit like last friday really so i told my parents like last week to come and they came i think friday last week yeah um the pressure from this private company that oh we're gonna be back and running on on monday Monday. and then so my dad went back on monday and surprise they could not open because everything was starting to flood he couldn't even drive normally yeah because not only could you not go through houston which is one normal way we go you couldn't even go through north of houston like an hour north of houston because roads were shut down he had to come up with some crazy new route where he went north, like way north. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But the going. point, yeah, he went all out of his way to make it back so he could be there because he was saying like, well, I'm, you know, a leader. Like, we I were don't all wanna... scared. We didn't really want yeah. to do it. Yeah, I was like, yell. I was very mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I, because I care, obviously. Yeah. Not because I'm, anyway. 
but so he's and he's in like a leadership position yeah at this place so he so wanted he felt to be like, like if other people are going to be right. there i should be there yeah but at the same time the people that are above him in leadership positions had apparently Don't no give a fuck. yeah had no feelings like that towards yeah. the people that they are you know in charge of and and should to some extent care for you would imagine right so they like kept telling people no okay we're not gonna open monday we're gonna open tuesday oh we're not gonna we're gonna open a wednesday so people who could have evacuated didn't know whether they not should couldn't take advantage of the time before the flooding happened to to evacuate evacuate. because ultimately my dad partially from pressure from us was like okay i'm coming back so he ended up coming back on tuesday i think or Monday. Monday, Because, like, Tuesday is when it was, like, really getting bad in East Texas. Yeah, sorry. The days are a little bit of a blur because yeah. all we did he was left. watch TV. He left, and, like, an hour later they started closing roads. Yeah. He got out, like, just in time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But other people couldn't leave, people he knows, because they didn't know if they were supposed to show up to work or evacuate, yeah. basically. If you don't show up for work, you could lose your job. So... This is what I'm talking about, these costs of capitalism. Because on the one hand, there's the invisible cost that, like, no one's forcing Exxon Mobil now to pay damages to the flood victims, which is realistically, I think, what should happen. Yeah. All these fucking oil companies that operate in Houston, in the Gulf, in East Texas, they yeah. should be paying people some compensation. They extract so much fucking money out of this community. And there's no cost. This- so I mean, the damage that they, they didn't caused. make this talk about you didn't build that you didn't build this fucking oil yeah they exactly just take it and sell it that's exactly what i'm saying yeah. yes they came they took public land yep. privatized it yep. they took public resources privatized them yep. and then they externalized the cost not just in that they don't pay any fucking taxes no. and they have tax shelters all across the world yep. but also in terms of now this storm now all these people are going to have to privately deal with insurance companies with trying to figure out how they're going to rebuild their lives yep. trying to you know gut the flooring and shit out of their houses everyone is individually going to have to pay the cost of these companies just running completely unregulated businesses you know and on top of that there's a solid chance people are saying that they're going to ask for relief because they weren't able to run the oil refineries yeah during the last week so they lost a ton of profit and when they shut down those oil refineries they have to release poisonous gas Mm -hmm. and and there's one in houston that they're saying is probably going to explode because of the flooding which is going to put, I forget, it's around, I mean, it's, it's in an area that's around homes. Yeah. It's not like just in the middle of some field or something. Yeah. It's going to put, I don't know how many people's homes at risk further. So even if your home didn't flood or it did flood, you may also have to deal with the fact that it exploded yeah. because it was too close to some oil, I forget, I don't know if they're, I think, I think they're a chemical company. I forget what they're called now. It's like some innocuous name. You haven't heard of it before, okay. but it's also apparently like a giant actually it's just it's, it's those one are of those the yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah um so yeah so these these are the you know invisible cost in terms of like especially unfettered capitalism where you just allow you know all this development to occur unchecked whether you know it's the housing allowing people to live near a chemical company why how can that be healthy for anybody and now it's obviously also extremely unsafe mm-hmm. you know you have all this unchecked 
development and very little zoning in Houston. I mean, yeah. it's pretty famous for that. Yeah. That makes the situation more difficult. You have all of this, you know, just exploitation of natural resources that exacerbates climate change. And none of those people are going to pay for anything. And and these citizen, the same citizens that are trying to rebuild their lives and are, are going to be the ones privately bearing mm. the costs. You know what else is sick is if it if oil wasn't so influential in the politics, then you would have public transit. Yeah. So people could live closer together. Yeah. They wouldn't have to drive everywhere. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Or even yeah. if they then live be, far apart, they don't have to drive everywhere. Easier, we don't have to use as much gas. Yeah. You don't have to pollute as much and it would be easier to evacuate. Yeah. But and people wouldn't be on the first floor all the time. Yeah. Um so I think that's a yeah, good podcast. I think that that is the last thing I had to talk about. Uh, also, don't give to the Red Cross. Please yeah. consider giving to like the local food banks. I shared them on my Facebook page, but I'll share them. I'll share the links with this podcast. Mm-hmm. Food banks are really awesome resources. It's actually where I first started like volunteering when I wanted to um, get active when I was like in middle school and high school, mm-hmm. um, and I founded the Human Rights Club in my high school. <laughs> And uh, that was one of the first things we did because it was a local activity that we could do to help out at the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. No one gets rich at the food bank, okay? Yeah. Unlike the Red Cross where the administration administrative costs are enormous and people pull down huge salaries at the top. And they have advertising budgets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The food banks are there and they're not just there like in the immediate aftermath they'll be there for years to come because people are going to be living with food insecurity for years to come um because it's not an easy thing to rebuild your life when the biggest investment of your life is underwater uh and who knows if you give money to the red cross now for houston they might take it to haiti and use it in haiti fuck that um but yeah the, the thing is that they're these are you know organizations that really do serve the community there's plenty of other good organizations to give for to give to i think going more local like we've been talking about whether it's local news or local charities probably a better bet than uh you know donating to some giant organization that's a big black hole where you don't know where the money's gonna go uh there's some really good ProPublica reporting that we could link to too if you don't trust us about this red cross stuff yeah also, I don't know that anyone from Houston is necessarily listening, but if you are and you've waded through some floodwaters, consider going to the doctor and getting checked out, getting like mm. a tetanus shot afterwards, because yeah. I think that's one of the things that people aren't talking about yet, but that's going to be like a real issue is like the more long-term health uh, costs. I, yeah. For me, like I'm extremely allergic to mold. So if we like live, we've lived in the past somewhere where there was mold and it makes it impossible for me to breathe. Like I... Mm-hmm wake up at night unable to breathe so you know i think that there's probably some people who just their allergies alone are going to make their lives so much more difficult unexpected health consequences yeah 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 feces and whatever obviously also getting into public areas um, when you have flooding so that's kind Mm. of freaky too so anyway also more private costs that people will bear the brunt of but Mm -hmm. Again, if we had single pair, that could be a socialized cost. But anyway, uh, that's if the podcast. If we had social housing, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would also help in terms of a rebuilding effort. And again, you don't want to pay volunteers for the work they're doing. Pay people to rebuild houses, roads, 
Yeah. Bridges have been washed away because that infrastructure is not as strong yeah. if mean, you don't we need rebuild jobs it. in this country. Let's yeah. let the government create some. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Pay the volunteers. This is a rich country. Why can't we pay them? Mm-hmm. People are risking life and limb to help people, somebody, to save dogs. But somebody might get money that they don't deserve because they didn't volunteer as hard as other people. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be terrible. Yeah. That matters. Yeah. Um, we should pay you per head that you rescue. <laughs> But you also have to have like a Polaroid of every person so you uh, can yeah. prove it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we can have And if like any a... of those get water damage, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll construct a, a database of all those photos and use um, machine learning algorithms to sort through and make sure nobody gets paid for like saving the same person mm. that was already saved by somebody else. That's important. Yeah. yeah. One day, like, um, AI will just solve all of this. All of our flooding problems. problems. Yeah. 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 We won't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw someone um, that I lo- kind of like, but they're um, sort of like more anarchic libertarian. I follow a lot of like tech people who work on tour and stuff. And she was like, uh, the only thing that could stop weed legalization around the whole country is um, if like new scientific articles come out to prove it's bad. Because in a society that is this technological it tends toward a hive mind where facts prevail and uh yeah unless we can come up with new facts obviously not true and then she's like as we augment our intelligence with artificial intelligence things like this will become even easier like our political problems will be solved you know everybody will be able to to like process the facts on every issue much more efficiently so that a majority will come to the correct conclusion more often how, how fucking insane. Okay. I mean, yeah, I just this, keep thinking this racism. This racism, is a smart like, fucking person, too. Like, racism is not rational, and yeah, yet tons of people irrationally continue to be racist. Not just, like, you know, latent racism or whatever that's, like, unconscious bias, but very blatant racism. In fact, it's, like, on the rise, it I don't seems know. like. I think if you could plug your brain into <laughs> algorithms... You know, no racism. Yeah. Unless, unless there's an objective reason to be racist, like a good sure. reason. Sure. Like yeah. they're taking our jobs. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, yeah. So that's the podcast. Uh, you can like us, follow us, whatever at Cold Pizza Party everywhere you can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can rate us if you want to or that's not. Cool, yeah. Doesn't matter. You don't have to pay us. And. Um, Pray for the victims. <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't pray. If you can, you know, consider donating. I pray think for that's... us. We're, we watched all that news coverage. It was harrowing. Oh, yeah. We're still recovering. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, it's been sunny for, like, <laughs> the last five days. But... Yeah. Anyway. I'm still emotionally cover- recovering from the tornado warning. Sure, My sure, tornado sure. Scared the shit out of me. I know, they really <laughs> scare the shit out of you. I don't know how, because you grew up in Ohio. Like, yeah. we, they're like tornado warnings like almost every year on I my think birthday that's why when I, I was scared, younger. Because they were, they always happened, those warnings. And now we don't have a basement and stuff. Like, that's true. But... If we had a basement, I'd feel better. Well, our bathroom doesn't have, that other bathroom doesn't have any windows or anything. You'd be safe in there ish. Unless Maybe. the tornado hits you, just picks up our entire house. Yeah. Well, can happen anywhere. <laughs> no, let's not talk about it. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll try to come out with another one next week. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably will. Well, just, that's why, like I said, every time, just iTunes, SoundCloud, make your life easier. And yeah. then you don't have to wonder. 
Yeah. You'll just get it on your phone and know. Yeah. Okay. Peace. Bye. Your challenges are a young group from Houston. Welcome Beyonce, Lativia, Nina, Nikki, Kelly, and Ashley. The hip-hop rappin' Girls Time. support but why do we teach girls to aspire to marriage and we don't teach boys the same we raise girls to see each other as competitors not for jobs or for accomplishments which i think can be a good thing but for the attention of men we teach girls that they cannot be sexual beings in the way that boys are feminist a person who believes in the social political and economic equality of the sexes you wake up housed up Round round in it, flossing on it. This diamond, my diamond. This rock, my rock. I woke up like this. I woke up like this. We flawless, ladies. Tell 'em I woke up like this. I woke up like this. We flawless, ladies. Tell 'em say.
judges give champions skeleton crew four stars. A perfect score. The challenger girls time receives three stars. Skeleton crew. Champions once again. Congratulations. We'll see you next week.